Good morning, and <clears throat> welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, uh, big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, today is Thursday, October 19th, 2017, and today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're currently on page 160, starting with the second paragraph, uh, Many a Man Yet Dazed, and we're going to read through two paragraphs this morning. Okay, today's readers, who do we have here? We have uh, Terry N. on the 12 Steps. We got Robin S. on the 12 Traditions. And the readers of our text, we have uh, Naomi B., Leslie W., and Carmela G. Now, the share ID for Wednesday, uh, October 18th, the 7 a.m., is 10558. That's 10558. And for the 10 a.m., it's 10560. 10560. All right, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose, um, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I'm now going to ask Terry N. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everybody. This is Terry N., compulsive overeater in New Jersey. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much for this opportunity for service. Oh, thanks so much, Terry. Okay, let me now ask uh, Robin S. to read the 12 traditions. Robin, good morning. Thank you, Larry. Good morning, everyone. I am Robin S. from Connecticut, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to, cover, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service this morning. Hey, Robin, thanks so much for your service. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep, keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement uh, for moderators is one year. For readers, it's six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And what we're doing is we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to each of us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we're going to resume our, uh, our study of the big book, and we are currently on page 160, starting with the second paragraph. It starts, many a man yet dazed, and we're going to continue on. Uh, Naomi is going to continue on through two paragraphs, ending with their loving and all-powerful creator. So, Naomi, are you okay. out there? Hey, there you are. There you are. Thank you, Larry. This is Naomi B., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Many a man yet days from his hospital experience has stepped over the threshold of that home into freedom. Many an alcoholic who entered there came away with an answer. He succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood it. Impressed by these 
impressed by those who visited him at the hospital, captivated entirely when later in an upper room at this house, he heard the story of some men whose experience closely tallied with his own. The expression on their faces of the women, that defendable something in the eyes of the men that stimulated an electric atmosphere of the place, conspired to let him know that here was heaven at last. It's a very practical approach to his problem, the abstinence of intolerance of any kind, the informality, the genuine democracy, the uncanny understanding which these people had were irresistible. He and his wife would leave elated by the thought of what they could now do for some stricken acquaintance and his family. They knew they had a host of new friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always. They had seen miracles, and one was to come to them. They had visioned that the great reality, their loving and all-powerful creator. There is so much in these paragraphs that jump out at me. It is just like, oh, my gosh. Um, first of all, the verbiage in that day is like so foreign to me. Yes, I had to look up the word captulated. What does that mean? Surrendered, gave up resistance, submitted, succumbed, truly Truly, I was capitulated. When it came to the food, I had to succumb. I succumbed to the food, but I had to surrender because this ruled my life. There was nothing more important, unfortunately, than the food back in the day. Thank you, God, it's not that way today. And then down here, stimulating an electric atmosphere. Well, huh, how could I not bring myself back to the conference? Oh, my gosh, even something as small as riding the shuttle bus from the airport to the hotel. There was about 12 of us on the bus, and it was like, this is so cool. Where are you going? Oh, where are you from? So cool. And here it says, heaven at last. Well, in my personal life, I can flip that. It's hell at last. My husband, God bless him, after being married 40 years and working at this one job for 22 years, he lost his job two weeks ago. And the funny part about this, I feel at peace. Yes, he can collect unemployment, which is a, just a smittance of what he got paid, but that's okay. God is there for us. He's going to get us through. My husband's going on interviews. He went on one the other day. And he's going on one today. Now, just a side note of that, the man only has a flip phone. So because I'm babysitting occasionally, I drove out with him, and um, I use my GPS on my smartphone. But that's okay. God has us covered. And the other thing up here, oh, my gosh, they knew they had a host of new friends. See, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, my disease had me isolated I had a novel, a movie on TV, and my binge foods. And that was it. I go into OA, and first of all, my first meeting, February 7th of 2011, why are skinny people here? Where is the scale? And how do you know what I do with food? Oh, my gosh, I thought I was the only one on the planet that did this crazy thing with food. I remember sitting in my car, and I thought, who are these people? And it's like, I can't believe I'm finally home. I found a place where they understand what I do, and they accept me for these crazies that I do with food. 
And what do they do next? They hand me a book about alcohol. Well, my thing was food. If I like if I like food the way I like alcohol, I'd only weigh 100 pounds rather than near 300 pounds. But, oh, my gosh, they said to me, just change the wording around. And my name was all over that book. I couldn't believe it. And I knew I was home. And I've been home ever since. I have a Bible. But, boy, I want to tell you, this Alcohol Anonymous big book, that's second to it. And thank you, God, I live it. And these crazies never stop happening just because I'm abstinent. Wow, what a concept. But it's true. It's really true. Crazies never stop. But there is a God that loves me, and I cling to him, and it's not the bag or the box. Thank you, God. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I'll call. Thanks, Naomi. Okay, so we're going to transition to the sharing deal here. So uh, just to let you know, we're on page 160. Um, Naomi read the second paragraph. She read through two paragraphs. We're going to share on on both. So please say your name only 16 times in, in rapid staccato fashion during this competitive portion of the, oh, I'm going to get fired here. Okay, ready, on your marks, get set, go. Matt M. Lisa B. Sarah G. Matt M. Got it, Matt, Lisa, was that Sharon or Kara? Harlan G. Harlan. Deborah V. Deborah. V as in Victor. Okay, I got you, Deborah. All right, let's stop there. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. I got let's stop there for now, okay? So here's what I have. I have Matt. I got Lisa. I got Sarah. I got Paula. I see Harlan. I see Deborah. Let's go with that. I apologize if I didn't catch you on the first round. We'll pick you up. All right, Matt, you're the man. Thank you, Larry, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. I love this that they're talking about, you know, Tika's used to come to that gay crowd inside. When I went to my first meeting, it was a really small meeting at the Pride Center in New Jersey over in Highland Park, and uh, I really felt like I was at home. It was a small meeting, but I met the people I met there I was able to relate to. And then I went to my big meeting, big meeting, then I went to my, my real home meeting that I was going to in Edison. I felt like I was at home. I cried almost through the entire meeting, bawled like a baby. And I was sitting there almost six, over 650 pounds, not knowing what to do with myself, alone. Felt, I felt alone. I felt isolated. But people made, people made me feel so welcome. I introduced myself as a newcomer. I was sworn with people afterwards. People were so kind and so nice to me. And they, then they got to know me, and then they stopped talking to me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, basically, it was it was. I felt like it was a place where I could relate to the people who who who, who were there. They understood me. I understood them. They did the same things I did with food, and they and and just like this, these people talking about here, I feel I felt like I was at home, and it was really great, you know. And I I'm really working the practical approach to my problems. You know, my problems are not are not going to go away, but with the program, my higher power will help me deal with them, and everybody else will help me as well. I have a support system now. I didn't have a big, I didn't have a really big support system before. I was really much alone. I had some friends, but they really weren't around that much to help me out with my 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 everyday living. Now I know I I could do I could do basic things again. I I feel like I can get up every day. I feel like I could shower every day. I'm eating healthier. I'm working. I'm calling my sponsor every day, committing my food. I'm going to meetings every day. I'm following the tools and I'm learning a big book with my sponsor. So. 
and I'm taking the next right thing. I'm doing the next right thing for myself, and I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to do it. I'm grateful I'm still here. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much. Okay, we got Lisa followed by Sarah. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm grateful to be here. Thank you for your service. Um, You know, when we read this this morning, the word that really jumps out for me is um, succumb, that he succumbed to that great gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. And, of course, you know, all of us are reminded of that word succumbed in the doctor's opinion on XXIX. And it says uh, the definition is failed to resist. Um, It also means die from the effect of a disease or injury. And it's nice to see that word again used a second time, and maybe it's been used other times, but in a positive way. And, you know, the truth is um, I for a long time did rely on the fellowship to take the place of the food, you know, and today still as a recovered person, I still need the fellowship for guidance. And I believe that my higher power speaks through my co-fellows here. And in the 10th step, it tells us that we have entered the world of the spirit, that our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. But sometimes, you know, that spirit in me, I can't always access the guidance inside. So I need to go to my friends here in the fellowship that are recovered. You know, recently there's a food that I've been eating that is now a red light food that had been a green light and then it became a yellow light. And now it's something that is off limits for me, but I needed to do 10 steps on it and I needed to share on it and get insight. Now I know it's surrendered. It's not something that I want to succumb to, you know. I had to succumb to the fellowship and the guidance and that promise of growing in understanding and effectiveness that we are in the world of the spirit. And that's what I think they're talking about here. That's when it's on the faces and in the eyes of these people, you know, that it's the world of the spirit. It's otherworldly. And when you talk about laughing at themselves, oh my gosh. I mean, I never would in a million years be able to laugh at myself. And still today it's hard for me to laugh at myself. I take myself so seriously. I take the world so seriously. I get really addicted to myself. And it's very painful. It's like falling in a bottomless pit. That's why I'm so grateful for these steps, you know. So um, the electric atmosphere, I just wanted to share. I was not at the convention, but in the morning when I would have my morning prayers and meditation, I could feel the electricity from you guys coming to me. And one of my co-fellows asked me, you know, were you sad that you weren't there? I said, you know, I reaped all the rewards from you guys being there. I could feel the energy through you coming to me. And that's the thing I need to remember about the world of the spirit. It's outside of time and space. You know, it's just amazing, this other world that that I can walk in and live in, being abstinent, being recovered. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, we have Sarah followed by Paula. Sarah, smile. Sarah, are you there? This is Sarah G. from uh, Tennessee. And uh, thank you, Larry, for your service and everybody on the line. I really appreciate it. And the thing that comes to me is that we've been reading a vision for you, this chapter, a vision for you. And we would, it started out with one person, Bill W., and then Bob, and then Bill D. And, um, and what I think about is how isolated I was in my disease and how um, 
absolutely um, encompassed with friends and with with people that I love, I am today. I'm, I'm recovered just for today and grateful for that. Um, and so I, the, the words that jumped out at me were um, they knew they had a host of new friends. It seemed they had known these strangers always. Um, and I, I can go to any place, any city, and go to an OA meeting, and I, I'm no longer a stranger. I'm, I'm a friend, and I, I see friends and um, connect with them. And I just think that is such a miracle for someone like me. I'm more introverted than extroverted, um, so sometimes I'm, I need time to myself. But uh, but basically, I need other people, and I never thought I did. I never thought that that was something that would be, um, you know, be a part of my life as other people in my life. Um, even my family, I was isolated from them. I love this sequence of events as it plays out, as they get more and more people, you know, joining them, it is such a miracle. And um, my higher power, whom I call God, plays into that. Uh, had to be uh, God's doing that this all came to, to be. And I'm so grateful for that because OA wouldn't co- have come to be either if AA and Bill W. hadn't um, had that, I don't know what you call it, inspiration to start, start some, a 12-step program. And, of course, that goes back to the Oxford groups that, um, that he started with. But thank God for all of them. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. <clears throat> okay, we have Miss Paula and then followed by Harlan. Hey, Paula, good morning. Good morning. This would be Paula D. Thank you for your service, Larry. And uh, this is Paula D. currently in Burr, New Hampshire, and um, recovered by and with the grace of God. And here we see again the grace of God. I would like to circle around this paragraph, and I may move on to one other sentence and end with it, being mindful of the time. The expression on the faces of the women, that indefinable something in the eyes of the men, the stimulating and electric atmosphere of the place conspired to let him know that here was Haven at last. Haven is a safe place. He felt safe there. Not an outsider. No, any longer. And what it says here, that expression, no, wait, he doesn't even say here. Yes, he listened to words, but this is going beyond the words. This book was written in 1939. I wasn't even born yet. Look at what has gone beyond the words. If they were only words in a book, but they took a life of their own. They took the life of these recovered people. And what does it say here? Something in the eyes of the men. The stimulating and electric atmosphere. We know what electric does, what electricity does. It travels. Let me tell you, it travels. And it powers. Beyond the rooms, Oh, it may start in the rooms. Oh, you may get plugged in there. 
I get plugged in in the very morning. Listening to these conversations, plugged in you are. Go out, whatever you do. Be with your family. Be with your work. Be wherever. That you bring with you. It doesn't, it isn't left there. That's why the book, the message went on and on. You know, I want to be, I want to be very, very careful with the time that I use and how I use it. This is what this book teaches you, what you bring to a meeting, what you take out of a meeting, what you leave there. But this line, and this is what I'd like to leave with, the name of the title is A Vision for You. doesn't say A Vision for Me. I am part of the you. To come to that place, to be part of. They had vision, and this is what the couple did. See the word again, only with an ED. The great reality, their loving and all-powerful creator, the source of the electricity. Thank you again for allowing me this time to share that I do pass. Thanks, Paula. Hey, Deborah, you're going to go after Harlan. Come on, Harlan. Go, Cubs, go. <laughs> Sing with me, brother. Oh, go, Cubs, go. Hey, hey Chicago, hey, what, what do you say? Cubs, <laughs> right. Okay, your turn. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble here. Okay. I'm still tired from last night. Uh, I'm Harlan. I'm a, comp- I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you, Larry, for your service, and thank you to Team Thursday. All of my life, I have felt very different and very alienated from the world around me. For as far back as I can remember, I was the fattest kid in the neighborhood. For as far back as I can remember, I looked with green eyes at the kids that had houses and brothers and sisters and cousins and aunts and uncles and backyards, and they had new cars in the driveway, and we didn't. My mom was older. My mom was almost 300 pounds or 300 pounds. My dad was not older than their parents. My dad was older than their grandparents. My dad was 54 years old when I was born. We had no money. They had wealth. But the most important thing that set me off was they could eat a half a sandwich and they were done. They didn't do with food what I did with food. They didn't look like me. They weren't emasculated physically and emasculated emotionally like me. They went to make-out parties and they dated girls and I didn't. They had thin bodies and I didn't. They looked good and I didn't. They could run faster and jump higher and I couldn't. And then one day I found a place where I could go. And there were people who thought like me and acted like me. I believed in my heart that the way I thought about food and the way I behaved around food was secret unto me and my parents. I didn't know that anybody else anywhere had those thoughts and those behaviors. And when I found a place where I could hear my mishagash coming out of somebody else's mouth, I knew that there was a place for me in this world. And to know that there's a place that you can go and be like everyone else and not unlike everyone else is a lot to know. 
were it not for Overeaters Anonymous, I would have taken my life decades ago because I never fit into this world. I never fit into my skin. I never fit into my clothes. I never fit into the model of what I was supposed to be, the thin, good-looking guy. That's not me. I have a place. And I have many, many friends. And I have many, many people who love me. And I'm allowed to love them back because of a book called Alcoholics Anonymous and because of a program called Overeaters Anonymous, and now because of A Vision for You, which is a part of Overeaters Anonymous, I have a place where I can be just like everyone else, and they can be like me, and I can love them, and we can comfort each other. What a miracle. What a miracle. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, we have Deborah, then we'll open it back up. Good morning, Deborah. Hey, Deborah, where are you? Unmute, please. No, Deborah? Can you hear me now? I can hear you, Deborah. Wonderful, thank you. This is Deborah, recovered compulsive overeater in the great state of New Jersey. Um, so for me, the reading was quite apropos in that my experience with the fellowship um, came about in the steps where every step reminds me that it's not about the I and it's not about me. Um, From the very beginning, from the first word and the first step that says we, it reminds me that this fellowship um, is woven throughout every step in this program and that the fellowship, for me, uh, helps me connect to a spiritual experience. You know, in, in the beginning of the big book, it talks about the fellowship as being the principal place to pass the message to the newcomer. And, and when I first came into the rooms, I had no idea that God had intervened and that God was present with me at that point of desperation. And as I look back now and look at the fellowship and how it's woven itself into my life, it is really an absolute miracle. Um, I know that my disease and my ism loves to keep me isolated. It loves to keep me cornered, uh, ready to pounce. And, um, you know, it's through not being alone and reaching out and getting the getting interpretations of the message through the messengers and getting to hear about how God or, or people's higher power works through their life to keep them abstinent and sober today um, is the real testament to this wonderful program that helps us all find a better life and a solution outside of um, our alcoholic food. So I just want to say for the newcomers that may be on the line that the miracle is here. The miracle can happen for you. And one day at a time, we do this together. And with that, I pass. And I wish you all light and love today. Thanks. 
Thanks, Deborah. Okay, on your marks, get set. Okay, who would like to share? Barbara G. Barbara. Sasha O. Leah M. Leah. Rose M. Rose. Leslie. Leslie, and then Kathy. Let's stop there. And I let me see if uh, if I missed somebody here. I got Barbara, Vasa, Leah M. Rose, Leslie, and Kathy K. Is there someone in the mixer? Okay. Did you okay, call so, Larry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me go through the lineup here. Thank you. Batting, was... Sure, okay. sure, sure. Here's the lineup. Batting first will be Barbara, then Vasa, Leah M., Rose, Leslie, and then Kathy K. And I do apologize for laying on some resentments here towards me for missing you. I didn't mean it. Okay, Barbara, good morning. Good morning. Everyone is so cheerful and so wise today. I've loved every single share. I've identified with every single person. When I walked into the rooms of OA, go, just going through the door, I was admitting my powerlessness. Heaven knows I had tried all the different weight loss pro- programs and been successful, but never able to stay at a normal, healthy body weight. And I read the 15 questions that help you determine if you are a compulsive overeater. And oh my goodness, I answered yes to everyone. Do I eat when I'm not hungry? Of course I eat, because I eat all day from the moment I get up till the moment I finally fall asleep in a drunken stupor. Do I go on eating binges for no reason? You better believe it. Do I eat sensibly in front of others? I do, like a little hummingbird. But when I'm home, I eat like a vulture. And yes, my eating affected my health. Doctors told me I was heading for diabetes. I needed some surgery. My eyes were even going. And I had to change the school that I worked at because I couldn't climb up the stairs. My legs would not support me. And I walked into the rooms of OA and I saw people who were laughing and claimed to be abstinent from compulsive overeating and they didn't put me on a scale. It didn't make me feel shamed. It didn't, they didn't make me feel less than. I felt that I was finally home with people who understood me who would support me in my effort to do what I needed to do. And it was with such gratitude that I walked into the rooms and I went, as someone said before me this morning, in rooms all over the country. They were wonderful. The people were so supportive. The meetings were different in the way they were formed. And I thought that was wonderful. I was invited out to go for lunch, yes, lunch after a meeting, with some people that I had never met before. And they were so helpful to me. They actually brought me to another meeting the next day because I was in California visiting my son, totally helpless when it came to navigation, before navigators were in the cars, And they picked me up at my son's apartment and took me there. What a gift. 
these people were so kind, and yes, some of them were quite thin. I couldn't get over it, that they were thin and still going to meetings, and that's what I want to do. I want to go to my very last meeting the day before they put me in the ground or whatever. I will always be a compulsive overeater, recovered but not cured. As one of my favorite people says, the monkey can be in the cage, but the circus is still in town, and the circus is in my head. I won't let it. Thank you so much. I look forward to the next share. I pass. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, we have Vasa followed by Leah. Hey, Vasa, good morning. Morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And before com- coming to Overeaters Anonymous, I lived in isolation. My world was just so, so small and lonely and alone and being, you know, dealing with my food addiction for so, so many years. And finally, finally somebody came and a friend brought me to Overeaters Anonymous. I don't think I could have gone by myself, you know. And I remember thinking in those days, I said, oh, my God, if I die, there's not going to be very many people in my funeral here. I'm worried that who's going to be in my funeral if I die. But thank God my husband had a lot of friends. So maybe I said, oh, maybe there'll be people there. But anyways, I never, never felt so much at home when I came to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. I just felt so much at home and safe, and um, I understood what people were talking about, and they understood what I was what I was talking, even though I was not talking, but they were talking the same thing that I was thinking and feeling. And uh, that was the beginning of I hope. I found hope that I had lost hope, you know. I remember thinking, I'm just going to die in this disease and miserable and unhappy. And all of a sudden, I see these people. They're laughing. They're happy. And even there were thin people there. They had been there still for many years. And I was thinking, what are you doing here, you know? You've lost the weight, you know, why are you still here? And that was my motive. I was going to lose the weight and I was going to leave the program, you know. I came in there for divinity. I thank God I stayed for the sanity. So, yes, I was looking for the scales, you know. I was looking, you know, for the diet and, you know, and none of that was was there. But I did the the, the test on the pamphlet in to the definition, you know, to take the test if I was compulsive overeater, I got A plus for the first time in my lifetime. I was not a very good student at school, you know. So at least I said, wow, I couldn't believe it, you know. And my world is so big today. Sometimes I get overwhelmed, you know. I mean, I'm on the phone bridge, you know. I This is electrical. This meeting is electrical. And I go to a lot of other meetings. And this is my favorite, you know. It's and what a way to begin my day. But anyways, my world is so much bigger, and I've met people from di- different parts of the country, like in Florida, and they've come to visit me in my own home, and I have gone to visit them, even in Europe. And um, I used to 
you know, when I get to know people in this area, we used to throw parties. My, husband, my kids would say, you're not coming in with those crazy people to your parties. And they came. And they, you know, and they like those people now. I'm so grateful. I just love my life. And I love people. And I love, you know, I love being on the phone bridge. I love the connection. And as I said, it's, um, this, we are so blessed to have this meeting and to have my higher power that led me into Overeaters Anonymous. I know my time is coming up. I, I get the tendency to share too long. I'm going to pass. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Fasa. Okay, we have Leah followed by Rose. We're on page 160, second paragraph. Hey, Leah, good morning. Hey, good morning, Larry. Thank you. Thank you very much. Impressed by those who visit him at the hospital, he capitulated, surrendered, gave up resistance, is what capitulated means, entirely when later in an upper room of this house he heard the story of some man whose experience closely tallied with his own. You know, that's our power. Uh, that's what differentiates us from diet clubs, from uh, visiting doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists, although all of those have the, their place uh, in society. But for someone like me, uh, a real compulsive overeater, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, I needed to hear the message and I needed to get an education about what my disease was all about. I needed to know what I suffered from and know what the solution was, and I got that uh, from someone in whom the problem had been solved, someone in whom carried a message of depth and weight. You know, this disease crushed me. <laughs> the chains of compulsive overeating were much too soft all those years when I was a child to be felt until they were much too hard to be broken. I didn't know what had happened, you know. Uh, I was just... The disease, you know, was wrapping its chains around my neck, and against all odds, I was supposed to self-destruct, and worst of all, I had no hope. I had no hope that anything would ever be different for someone like me until I sat across from someone in whom the problem had been solved, and he cracked open this text and brought it to life based on his personal experience. And I left there with something I came in without. I left with hope. I was also very clearly instructed that although those havens, those shelters that I sought out, because they were a place of safety and refuge, just like a vision for you feels in the morning, uh, but that was as powerful as that was, as powerful as fellowship was, it was not going to be uh, able to be as powerful for the necessary transformation that was going to be vital for my recovery. And so although there, were elect there was electricity in conventions and meetings and conferences and retreats and sitting in coffee shops, etc., it was going to have to be these 12 steps that was going to lead me to a spiritual awakening, a change in the way I thought, in the way I felt, especially in the way be I behaved. And it was clear that that 12-step transformation was done to me, not by me. So if you're a compulsive overeater looking for a way out this morning, we know exactly where you're coming from because that's where I came from too. 
And with the help of this, of a sponsor and the help of this text, you too can have a spiritual awakening and you don't have to live that way anymore. And that is the great news that a meeting such as this can share. And I get very wound up about this program. I don't get wound up about me. I get charged up about us. I get excited about us. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Thank you. Okay, we have Rose followed by Leslie. Not a thorn, but a rose. Rose. <laughs> Hi, Larry. Hi. Thank you. Um, my name is Rose M., um, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Philadelphia area. Um, so uh, I, when I read these um, paragraphs, and the paragraphs yesterday, um, it, it really made me think of all of you and um, just how grateful I am for, for all of you. And um, I, um, you know, when I was, sick and um, really in the food and not thinking that I'd ever be able to find a way out of it. I just, I thought that, you know, I was the only one um, that just really isolates you. And I thought I was the only one who watched my own mother, you know, um, go downhill um, from this disease. And um, I thought, I thought I was the only one who just felt like my life was falling apart. Um, You know, I thought I was the only one who just, um, you know, whose health was failing and, and I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't stop doing, um, doing the destructive thing that was killing me. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I met all of you and, um, and I met my sponsor. Um, and, you know, I, like a lot of you were saying, I, I felt like somebody was, was taking the thoughts that were in my head and saying them out loud. Um, and I didn't know how that was possible. Um, but, you know, really the thing that drew me in, um, you know, to the fellowship was just how kind all of you are um, and just how um, compassionate and caring and, um, you know, just uh, willing to help other people. Um, I, I just hadn't experienced that um, with this disorder before. Um, I had experienced doctors laughing at me. Um, I had experienced people just, wanting my money for a diet program and not caring about me. Um, and, you know, I feel, and, you know, when I first started feeling safe, like this was a haven, like it's described in these paragraphs, that that's when I knew that this journey was, was going to be okay, that this was safe, that this was a good, um, this was a good God who was watching over me. Um, you know, who wanted me to um, to be healed and wanted me to be in a better place and wanted me to be of maximum service because the way I was living before was nowhere near of maximum service to God and the people around me and my son who's five years old and my family. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, even the circumstances of my life, like being a mom, um, I just thought, well, there's no way, there's no way I could ever ever be in a better place with this um, disorder, with this problem that I have. I'm just going to have to wait until my son grows up, you know, until things get better in my life, until things calm down. Um, but, you know, I I just didn't want to wait. <laughs> I didn't want to get sicker. Um, and and that's what, um, that's what led me to start, you know, looking for, um, looking for help. And I really think it's, it's a real gift from God that I found this program and um, I'm so happy to, you know, share the message with other people who are suffering. 
Um, so, you know, if you're a mom, if you have circumstances in your life where you think that you're just going to have to wait until this happens or that happens, don't wait. Um, and uh thankful for all of you very much. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rose. Okay, we have Leslie followed by Kathy K. Leslie W. <laughs> Larry K. Hi, this is Leslie W. calling from Tennessee, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so what struck me with this paragraph was he succumbed to that gay crowd inside who laughed at their own misfortunes and understood his. And for me, that is such a great contrast to what, you know, to when um, Bill was was in that hotel and he heard that gay crowd inside and you know, um, he substituted one gay crowd for another. And now, you know, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not sad. Those of us who have recovered, I mean, I got to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm a different person today than I was, than I was before in this disease. And um, I still have problems. I still get sad from time to time, but, but I can finally laugh again. I can laugh at myself you know, which is something I could never do before. Um, and I laugh at myself and poke fun at myself all the time. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's, I don't take myself too seriously. Um, and I, I, I love, I love what, where they talk about this time. I could just imagine this house, you know, where everybody's laughing and sharing stories and, and just happy people. Um, I never thought I could, I, I really, I really did not know if I was going to be able to be happy again. Um, and I can, I can tell you that, um, <laughs> that in, in, in whatever circumstance that I am in, I can usually find something to laugh about. Um, whether it's my three-year-old getting his head stuck in the stairwell or, you know, when I'm trying to take a nap and the neighbors decide to chainsaw their trees down or, I mean, this is all stuff that has happened to me just this week. I'm not, not making this stuff up. So, you know, it's like it is what it is and life's going to keep happening. But thank God I have, I have a program. Um, I have fellows. Um, and I have done the work, and I continue to do the work every single day uh, so that I can be happy and joyous and free and live the life that God intends for me to live. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Leslie. Okay, we have Kathy Kay. Good morning, Kathy. Hi, Larry. <clears throat> Good morning, and thank you for your service. Uh, this is Kathy Kay, recovered in Boston. And, you know, listening to everyone has given me uh, a vivid flashback to my very first OA meeting in 1993. It was a very well-attended meeting um, where I heard, uh, I heard my story, but I was also um, completely unwilling to consider the idea of a God in my life and... Um, I was hearing things like, take what you want and leave the rest. And before I left the room at the first meeting, I had people coming up to me and welcoming me and talking with me. And um, it was their uh, kindness and their openness 
that had me come back to my second meeting. And for quite a while, it was the fellowship that gave me hope um, and gave me a desire to come back again next week. Um, so there was a way in which um, the fellowship and the people I met were absolutely essential to me becoming willing to do the work as it out, is outlined in the big book. For many years, I had no interest in the big book. I didn't understand it. It was like Greek to me. But um, over time, as I did the best I could, um, I became willing, I became open, I became honest, and I found a sponsor. And um, it's just truly a miracle that uh, we continue to do this for one another. Uh, I was talking to someone who's not in OA recently, a friend of mine, and I mentioned to her that I had to get home because I had a scheduled call with a, a fellow. And she asked me, how is it that you can um, get to know people on the telephone? And I realized when she asked me that, some of my closest connections now are with people from Vision for You, who I may have met at the recent convention, but largely I have gotten to know them through our mutual sharing on the telephone. And that, too, is a miracle that we're able to do that with one another. So I'm very grateful, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy. Hey, we have time for another share, a couple-minute share. Who wants that? Penny C. You know, I'm sorry. I, I heard Penny, and I'm sorry for the first couple people. But Penny, I need to hear from you this morning. Good morning, Penny. <laughs> well, thank you, Larry. This is Penny C., recovered compulsive reader from the Boston area. I'd love to take these paragraphs and and put myself right into it. And I think about June 10th, 1987, seven o'clock in the evening meeting, when I stepped over the threshold of that little room in the basement of a church. And what I heard there was that there were 12 steps to recovery and and they would lead me to freedom. Well, I think the whole I thought the whole idea of being being um uh into the food and I had to leave it to get back to freedom was just a weird idea. But you know, they told my story, and one woman especially told my story, and she said, this disease of mine, and oh my gosh, that's all I, that's all God needed me to hear. That's all I needed to hear that, that evening. And I walked out of that room that very night and said to myself, if I have a disease, that means I'm not lazy. It's not that I don't have willpower. It just means that I'm sick, like any other sickness. There must be something, uh, a plan. And so I, I knowing that because I'm a nurse, knowing what a diabetic food plan was like, I decided that very night, along with God's help, that I would see myself much like a diabetic, and I would adopt the food plan that I knew, and I would I would follow it. And I still do the same thing 30 years later. And I still go to those rooms where people are, are able to laugh at their own misfortunes 
And I laugh at mine now. But boy, when that night when I first got there, and I was I was dazed by being being um, so full of 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 food and and not being able to stop. I stopped for that hour, and you know, the next day I said, I don't eat sugar or flour anymore. And I don't know where that came from, but I just want to pass the message. We are so blessed. Those of us who have been given this gift, we need to guard it. Guard it with our lives because our lives depend on it. Given the 12 steps and the way of living that the 12 steps gives me, as well as the fellowship, but mostly the 12 steps has changed my life absolutely 100%. Um, And gosh, what can I say? I am just so grateful. And I can't say enough. I'll say it again. We who are on this, this meeting, who have been given this gift of abstinence or the gift of a sponsor who's helping us to get to abstinence and a new way of life, are just the most blessed people I can imagine. And so with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Larry. Oh, thanks, Penny. Well, let me give you guys the share ID for today's meeting first before I forget. So the share ID for today, um, October 19, 2017, is 10562. That's 10562. And thank you to everyone uh, who has shared except for Harlan that one I didn't get much out of. Um, No, that's not true. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We're now going to close from a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Leslie, are you there to read 164? You know it. (laughs) Thank you. 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to, to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.